What's up, people? Welcome back to the Kickoff Sessions podcast, hosted by me, Darren Lee. And on this episode, I have Alan Carroll, who's coming back for his second appearance on the show. Our first episode focused on personal finance. Alan gave you know a really good deep down insight into financial planning, understanding cash flow, understanding how we can improve our financial well-being, financial literacy, and taking those different steps along the way. If you haven't seen that episode, I'd really encourage you to check it out. It was really valuable to me. A lot of people really enjoyed it as well. So it was very good to base you know our whole idea around financial literacy and get a good understanding from Alan, who has uh, so much experience in this area. On this episode, Alan came back to discuss with me the whole mortgage approval process, really from inception, the whole way up to getting approval for your first home, as well as your repayments, as well as how to sell your home. We really looked at everything as a whole. And I think it's pretty interesting because buying a home is like your biggest investment you will ever do. It is crazy amounts of money and people learn how to do it. You know, they learn when they need to know, but my whole idea is having foresight, understanding what it is you wanna do, couple of years in advance whether it's two three four five years in advance so even if you're young if you think that i'm never going to buy a house or you think that this doesn't apply to me right now it kind of does because you can learn a little bit of thought into what you should be considering how you should be structuring your cash how you should be structuring your savings and really what we can do now to help us in the future this conversation was super interesting Alan goes deep into some of the schemes that people can offer from a first-time buyer perspective. We also look at investment properties. He gives us his thoughts on that and really just looking at like that process as a whole and with some caveats around these different areas. We also look at how to sell your home, how to restructure a mortgage and just general kind of adult stuff that you need to learn when you get a little bit older. So I really enjoyed this episode. You know, again, really want to say a massive thank you to Alan for taking time out for the second time to discuss with me mortgages and all that good stuff. So before we get going, if you can follow me on Spotify, it makes a huge difference, really improves the show overall, and I would really, really appreciate it. And I'll leave you at this. Here's my conversation with Alan Carroll on mortgages and how to buy your first home and your first investment property. Alan, welcome back. Thank you, Darren. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. It's a pleasure. It's just before I started recording that last podcast on personal finance was like really, really successful. Loads of people really enjoyed it and it was really, really helpful. And again, it's not about like trying to get loads of downloads. It's about, you know, looking at what is, where is there a gap for younger people and where could we try to fill it? And people like yourself have so much experience in, you know, financial services as a whole financial planning so that's hugely valuable so again something like today would be very similar you know um and then today slightly different you know personal finance is kind of for a little bit of a younger audience well it's for everyone in general next area we want to talk about is around mortgages in general which i think is you know it's funny because when you're young you don't really consider like getting a mortgage you don't think about things like this but i was thinking over the last couple weeks and i was like you know this is like the biggest payment that people are going to bring on their life and a lot of people, until they get to someone like yourself, who's like a financial planner, don't really think about it that much, I often thought. And I was like, I was like, okay, even though you can't buy it for like five years, like some of my audience, you know, having that foresight and being like, okay, if I do want to get a house at some stage, what is it need to know in terms of, I don't know, like the requirements I need to hit and stuff, you know? So mm. that's why I wanted to have a chat about it. So you're very welcome. Excellent. You know? Cool. Thank you very much. Uh, I suppose, look, what I'll run through for you today, I think what will be beneficial um, 
to, to your audience will be the, the process, for example, the first-time buyer process, right, from, from start to finish, from I suppose, getting mortgage ready, which is really important. And as you said, you might be looking to purchase for five years, but it's important that every so often we kind of, we reevaluate things, we take stock, and we say, right, I'm in this moment now, but where do I want to be in that four or five years time? So that you start the planning process and you engage early so that you know your part of the of the approval process, what you need to be doing to get your house in order so that when it does come into us, that you know, you've put your best foot forward and we, we can recommend it and get it over the line. So on, on the first time buyer, right, just, just to start with the basics, a lot of people probably notice um, there's central bank criteria in, now in, in, in Ireland, right? So the max you can borrow is three and a half times your gross salary. Um, and that is combined if you're buying with somebody, right? Um, you, we can also take into consideration bonuses and commission, but we take a certain amount up to about, it's around 40% of them and it's over the last three years. So for example, if a lot of your, your salary is bonus or commission, it doesn't mean that you can multiply that by three and a half times. It's, it's just an average over, over three years and we only take a portion of it, right? So the guide figure that you should be looking at is three and a half times your gross salary. That's kind of the max you can borrow. As a first-time buyer also, we can lend up to a maximum of 90% of the purchase price, right? So you have to have your 10%. And so that's really, really important. There is no way around that, right? So you have to have that. Now, we do accept gifts towards the, the deposit, parental gifts, let's say, or family gifts, but we do like to see that you've built up some, some form of savings or you have repayment capacity yourself, right? So what do we look for, let's say, right? I suppose the first thing you need to be doing is you need to start planning early. You need to start have the conversation with your bank or your financial advisor pretty early just to get an idea of, like I've, I've had customers into me that were looking to buy in a certain area and they just presumed, you know, because the jobs they were in, they could afford that area and the bank would give them the funding. But they got a bit of a land when they realized, whoa, we, we can only borrow three and a half times salary. This is up, to, you know, we're miles off. We need to really increase our savings over the next number of years. So it's, it's very important that you start the, the conversation early. And sorry, um, you said three and a half times your salary. Is that between both of you? So let's Yeah, say- so if you're, bu- if you're buying with somebody and you're on 50,000 each, let's say, just to keep it yeah. simple, that's 100,000. So you can borrow up to, up to 350,000. Okay. And that's the mortgage portion of it. So that can be 90% of the purchase price as a first, first time buyer. Okay. The remainder then, if you, you know, if you have more than a 10%, that's great. You can look at prices um, higher than the, than the, the, the 400,000 or so on. Mm-hmm. So what we'd look for, right. Um, number one, we look at your track record. What's your track record like in, with us or whatever bank, bank you're with over the last 12 months, let's say, right. Have you been making, you know, is there any unpaid, are you operating your account correctly and within any limits that overdraft limits that, that you're allowed that's the first thing the second thing we look at obviously the central bank guidelines what's really really important uh, to a bank and this is something that that customers need to realize from the offset and you know once they, they grasp this early it will, it will really enhance their chances of getting approval is debt repayment ability how much can the can the customer prove to the bank that they can pay back on a monthly basis and what we look for in this is any regular savings that you may have been saving over the last uh, 12 months, let's say, and any rent. So for example, if you're renting for a thousand a month and you're saving 500, we can now take directly 1500 euros for repayment ability because that can be sub- substituted directly as a mortgage. So that's really important that, you know, if you're in a, a, a job and your salary is high, don't just think you can afford it. It has to be proven now over a minimum of six months you're looking at 12. So it's extremely important that that you start your regular savings and it's it's funds that goes in 
and stays there over that period, not 500 going in and 200 coming out because we just take an average. So it's really, really important that, that you're aware of that from the offset because that's vital for us, right? We also look at something called net disposable income. So what I mean by that is that's uh, what's left after your mortgage payment has been made, right? And what affects that outside of your mortgage payment is also any loans or liabilities that the, the customer may have. So any car loans, any personal loans, any other credit card bills, any other liabilities that are outstanding, that goes in as an outgoing as well. So that, that affects your, your net disposable income figure that, that we look at, right? So my advice there would be, if you're looking at borrowing over the next you know, 12 or, or whatever number of years, just have a think about that purchase. As I said in the last podcast, if you're going to buy that car, just have a think about three, four years down the line because it will affect you. It may be affordable, which is absolutely fine, um, but just have a think about it. If it's a discretionary spending, ju- maybe just have a look down the line. Is this, is this going to affect my, my potential for a mortgage? That's really important. And sorry, is that, um, would that be a good encourage as well? So if you had repayments to a loan at the moment, and if you were like paying it back actively, not missing repayments, is that also encouraged? So if you were coming on a fine line, let's say, and you know you may not have gotten the mortgage you wanted or you might, could that be a deciding factor if you've been actively paying back? Yeah, exactly. If you if you have a track record um, with us on a loan repayment that we've given you, you paid it back actively, as you said, that's definitely a positive. And also, depending on what the purpose of that loan was for, for example, if it was education or if it was a, a personal loan, that was a one-off, not a car loan, because you know they generally reoccur. But if it was a one-off loan and it's it's finished prior to the mortgage um, application being submitted, we can also look at that to enhance your repayment ability. Because obviously, if, you, if you've been paying this loan over a period of time, it was a one-off item. It's not going to, to happen again. It's not going to reoccur we can look at substituting that then in towards your repayment ability because that loan is gone. You've been paying it for the last four years. It's not going to reoccur. So that also can substitute for a mortgage payment. So it can be a benefit. Um, but look, with lending anyway, it's really important that, that you manage your finances and you you know you make the repayments because it always, every single time it comes back to haunt you at some stage. Like, you know, so it's very important that, that you do make the repayments. Again, when you're borrowing, make, for the, make sure that you're, you're comfortable with the repayments and maybe stress it yourself and stress your future circumstance a little bit and say in two years time, am I still going, going to be happy paying this 600 euros a month on, on my car outside the door? You know, So that, that's just a, a thing to look at for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing, I suppose, with the, the, the mortgage, right, it's important to set up a regular saver. That's what I would do, a regular saver where there's some type of notice on the account, be it just a week, that it makes it a little bit difficult that you... You know, the impulse buy goes to, I have to think about this now, this is going to be a week. Um, we have an account called a mortgage saver, right? It's for first-time buyers. And um, if you qualify to certain criteria, which is just saving for for um, for six solid months and, and a balance of over 5,000, you get a bonus of 2,000 at the end of it if you draw down a mortgage within 18 months. Like 2,000, you know, that's a nice sum. If you don't draw down the mortgage, then you just have your savings back. So it's, it's a win-win. So it's important to kind of look at those saving schemes as well. And once you start, as I said before, that gains momentum then and you see it building up and then all of a sudden you become a little bit more focused on, on you know, on, on reaching your goal of having your deposit. Like, and so that's really important. Just to take in like all different factors. So if you're repaying, so if you're paying into the bank, you're making those like monthly payments, you're showing that reoccurring and it's all going well. What's the, what's a, what's a bank's like, you know, appetite towards if you were investing that over the last couple of years, for example, or using it for something else, let's say, I don't know, you were investing it in your own company or something, but you were showing a level of 
consistency elsewhere? Is that, is that yeah, negative or fine. positive? No, no, absolutely fine. If you're investing your funds, that's absolutely fine. But what we need to see is a, is a certain amount on a monthly, quarterly, whatever it is basis, regularly going into your investment fund or your savings fund or whatever it is, whatever you choose to invest your, your, your finance in. But it's important that we can see the trail because if you're telling us, you know, I took the money out here and I invested it, if we can't see it clearly, it, you know, it, it doesn't count. And it's the same with your rent as well. And if you're paying your rent in cash or whatever, all we look for repayment ability is can we see that rent coming out of a bank account? If we can't, then we don't take it. And, it, you know, it, it has to be for a period of six months or, or a minimum of six months. So it's very important that, like, if you are renting, make sure that your rent comes out of an account. It can be transferred yourself online, but there has to be a trail of it reoccurring in order for us to be able to to take it with, with some confidence that it can be used towards your, your repayment ability. So something else to, to look out for, I suppose, and there are a number of fees as well. Um, actually, there's an application. If you are, let's say, like have the conversation with your bank first to see how far away you are from mortgage, because you could be surprised. You could be closer than you think, right? And um, But when you are there or thereabouts, um, there's mortgage applications out there now that we have, let's say, and then presume other banks do, but it's called a house hunter. So what it is, is you get it, you put through a full um, mortgage application. It goes through underwriting, credit underwriting, but it's approved on an amount as opposed to a specific property. So for example, if you're looking to borrow the max available to you, let's just say it's 300,000. We put through a full underwritten application based on that 300,000 so that at least you know, um, if that gets approved, you know with confidence that if you're out and you find a property on the market, you can now bid because you know the funds are in the background. Whereas what some people do, um, is they go out and they, they look around and, you know, you start getting emotionally attached and your confidence comes up. Oh, my God. We're... Then they go to the bank and, and they're miles off, like, you know. Yeah, so it's yeah. important just to get your ducks in a row first. And, and that would be my advice anyway. Mm-hmm. There's just some additional fees as well, just to be aware of, right? And there's your solicitor fees. Solicitor needs to act on your behalf, obviously, to take a legal charge and, and, and work with the bank. You're looking at about €2,000 there as well as an outlay. And there's also stamp duty of 1% of the purchase price. So, you know, that could be anything from three to five to whatever it is, but it's 1% of the purchase price. So there's another five or six K additionally there that, you know, you mightn't think of that can eat into your deposit or that can be your, you know, that could be the, the fit out. So it's just important you're aware of that. And banks also look for valuations. It's only 150 euros. It's fine. But there's two other ongoing payments along with your mortgage, right? So we request that the property is insured. So you need home insurance. And we also uh, request that your life is assured that if if you or whoever you're buying with, let's say, if one of the parties, touch what it won't happen, but become deceased, the mortgage is now cleared. So you have to have that insurance policy in the background as well. So you're looking, I would leave, I would leave about another hundred euros onto your mortgage repayment to cover both of those um, just as a, a kind of a guide, like, you know, so j- just be aware that there's other additional ones also. So if you were taking out, let's say, a mortgage for 300k, would you be looking at, let's say, between three to five percent, maybe two to four percent of whatever the mortgage is for the fees, for the stamp duty, and for the insurance, generally speaking? Correct. Yeah that that would be a that would be a good guide. Mm, that would be yeah. a fair a good guide. So so it's important, like with the the debt re, debt repayment ability, right? Just because you can prove the repayment. It doesn't mean you can uh, afford it. Like I would always look at, um, like, will you be comfortable in a couple of years? Maybe look at your situation now, right? And um, look three, four years down the line. 
maybe a family comes along next thing all of a sudden you've got crash fees which are a thousand euros a month that you hadn't bargained on and like you don't think of these things well I certainly didn't when I was buying my first property <laughs> kids were miles away then all of a sudden you're landing you're 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 paying a thousand two thousand euros a month of crash fees and that you didn't you didn't bargain for so it's important that you maybe just just think about that do you think does the bank factor that in because like that's that's a really interesting point because like you know the fact the bank can factor this in but i was going to say actually the inverse of that was like your earning potential would increase you know throughout time depending on the yeah. job obviously so then my kind of question was does do the bank factor that in and secondly you know would this process this whole like model that it's created would that be more would that encourage younger people to get it before they get settled down and stuff like this so like someone like myself maybe like a year or two later on or would that be worse for someone like myself then does that make sense you know what I'm trying to say? yeah yeah no it makes perfect sense yeah it makes perfect sense we don't factor in that some what somebody may or may not have kids because that's a personal choice so we don't factor that in whatsoever and we also don't factor in future income and um, because it has to whereas before we could have right when we had discretion but now with the central bank's guidelines and the rules and regulations it has to fit the box at that moment right now there are some exceptions banks can have 20 percent exceptions per year and what that means is uh, i could have a, an exception maybe on loan to income so we could go up and apply for maybe four and a half times salary and again that would be based on your future potential earnings but again you have to still have to have your proven repayment ability of the higher amount but there is a bit of wiggle room there but like with the kids side of it no we don't look at it because look that's a personal choice to, to anybody but i just I think it's important and it's prudent just to give the advice to have a think about it yourself and um, just so that you're going in with your, with your eyes wide open. Um, with, with, I suppose, then, is, with getting a mortgage prior to having kids or after having kids, obviously when, when kids come along, there may be crash fees, so we have to put that in as an outgoing. And also there's, there's a, a certain amount that has to go in as an outgoing for kids in general as well. So it definitely could affect your borrowing power um, going for a mortgage with kids it's it's terrible but that's just a, <laughs> that's just a fact because another reason they, they, kids. they cost money they cost money trust me you know no, so that, that's the thing so yeah but look there's there's no right or wrong way it's an individual choice but just yeah. to be aware that obviously like if both parents are, are, are working and um, then there's going to be crash fees if only one person is working then we can only use their salary so it's a Mm-hmm. you know it, it's a funny one but it's just to go in with your eyes well, there's no right or wrong time to to buy and um, mm-hmm. but just all you have to do is be really informed and have your eyes wide open if you think you can do that it, it's brilliant that so it's what happened to me when i bought my first house it was 2005 um the first time, time my wife had just oh coming, coming up to the crowd yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah exactly it was, it was almost at the peak but my wife um, was an accountant she had just finished so we had it we had a limit like um, and we couldn't go any further to the limit. I remember turning up to, to buy the property. We even had to deposit in our hand in a check, right? Because we, we'd been searching, searching. And it would be up for a certain amount and we'd get there and it was 40,000 higher than whatever. So this was a new bill. So the price was the price. So we went in, we looked around, we were, oh my God, this is brilliant. Straight away bought it. Like I didn't look at, you know, I didn't think of kids coming down the line or any of that. Can we extend out the back? You know, is there a bit of room that we can build on here? is the sun there in, in you know in the evening time when we do get the sun can we sit out the back and have a barbecue we had no clue thankfully we were lucky in that side of it but like there was no room to extend there was nothing like that then when our kids did come along like the space was just coming in on top of us now we were lucky again 
it was a good location. That's key as well when you are buying. Um, like if you buy in a, in a good location, there's always going to be value there. Like, you know, are you, you know, it, it's always going to be in demand and maybe places that were, that are further outside cities that are, you know, they might be in favor now, but people always come back to, you know, location amenities. Is it close to schools? Is it, you know, is it on bus routes? Is it, you know, is there creches around that sort of stuff where, which you wouldn't think of, mm-hmm. but that's what gets you back your money, you know, when you go to sell it on. So that's very important. Sorry. What about the scenario in which like, um, you know, locations will increase and decrease in value. You know, like they kind of say that like it might come in and out. That's probably, that's probably more towards like a business investment versus a personal home uh, to a degree, you know, but you see satellite yeah. towns now picking up and I get you, you already reaching a point how they, you know, they're increasing in value now, but it might decrease. But what about areas like has changed due to, I don't know, crime or anything like it's difficult to be able to have that forecast over a longer period? No, it is. I, and I suppose, look, all you can do is you make the decision based on the facts you have now or maybe look to the future. Is there anything else planned? You know, if, if a town is growing, is there land just outside that there's something else might be planned that, you know, it might grow. Like I, I live in, in Carrigaline in Cork. It was tiny years ago, but now it's really, really expanded and property prices have, have you know, have gone good up, but there's great amenities and stuff. It's only when I grew up, I grew up close to the city and Carrigaline was the country. But now it's like it's 15 minutes in a car, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's just to have that mindset. And the other thing is um, try not to get too emotionally attached when you do find a property. It happens to everybody. They find a property, and particularly if it's your first property. And even if you're moving, you find a property and all of a sudden, oh, my God, this is brilliant. And you can be blinded from, you know, potential falls or potential what will happen is yeah. you'll fall in love with the next one just as quick. So just maybe just be aware of, of how emotion, how easily it is to get emotionally attached and, and, you know, but it's fine. It's worth the extra 10 grand or it's worth the extra 20 grand just to be aware of that as well. I would say like, you know, yeah, yeah those things, it's so funny how like emotion always like comes into play with these things as well. It's like, you just cling to that. Absolutely. Idea, you know, absolutely. It's funny because like, you know, like I'm looking at this and I'm thinking of it like in, in multiple different ways. Like, as I mentioned previously, I was like, you know, I want to get into property to get into property as like a business investment, not necessarily to buy my first home at the moment. And then I'm always like looking yep. around at different, at different schemes and different purposes. And so as my, my mates and we're all kind of keeping well connected and then I'm kind of factoring in all these elements and it's like, okay, that works for me. Some things, but then some things work against me, you know? So like, yeah yeah there's a couple of different areas like but especially on the area of like the different schemes so obviously like Ireland over the last couple of years had a lot of problems with housing whatever but you know the affordable housing scheme which you may have heard over the last couple couple of weeks mm. and that being able to like entice people to have first-time buyer effect you know like what's your kind of thoughts on that from someone like myself that's trying to get in early or do you think this promotes more people being able to get in now and especially from a I don't know, just to get just to get up and going kind of perspective. Yeah, um, I suppose so, like with the various schemes, right? One of them being the affordable housing, like we need that because there's a housing crisis in Ireland. The demand is is still far outsell outnumbers the supply, right? So, and again, that drives price up. Then, so it does cut a lot of people out of the market. So, we need to do something like this, right? With regards, do I think it's a good idea? I think it's a fantastic idea, and if you can get a property at a lower price than the market value and it gets more and more younger people and it gets more and more people to become homeowners. I think that's a fantastic thing. Like, you know, another 
Um, another scheme that's out there as well, just to be mindful of, is the Help to Buy scheme. That's basically available on any new bills, um, and it's up to 30% back on the value of the mortgages from the government, like, you know. So that, that's another good scheme. Get Now, the other thing is the price will, price on the new bill will probably reflect that anyway. But look, it, it goes back into the consumer's pockets. And that's another one to be, to, to be very mindful of. Just to touch as well, um, what you said there about the investment property, right? Um, it's a great idea, but just to, to, again, to have the eyes opened, like the, the first person to get paid from that rent is the bank, right? If you have a mortgage on it. So we're the first person to get paid. The second person to get paid is revenue because it, it's treated as, as, in, as a full income. So the, the investor themselves, they're the last person to get paid, right? So with an, an investment property, you have to really have patience and a long-term view because it doesn't start actually really paying the investor until the mortgage is gone. And then the, then the funds are your, it, it's revenue on you. It takes the bank out of it, but the bank gets paid first just, just to be aware that, yes, the rents are high and you know you could be getting your 1500 2000 whatever it is a month, but your mortgage payment has to come off that firstly. And then the revenue is taking their slice and then you get what's left outside of what you, what you have to input into that property for maintenance. So I think it's a fantastic investment over the long term. And particularly, we'll say as you get older, as the, the, the mortgage matures, it, it's fantastic to have that sort of income and then still have an asset on the back of it. And um, But just be aware, it's not a get rich quick. Like, you know, you okay, do have to have course. patience and it, it's about diversifying your portfolio. But to have property in it and particularly investment property like that is great. But you need to be patient with any any investments. You need to have patience, like you know. And the barriers are so high to get in in the first place, and that's 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 on purpose because like it's such a <laughs> like it's such a crazy asset to think of anyway. Because like you're taking on this so much risk, and it's all hinging on you getting paid, <laughs> you know, to yeah. a degree. And that's where it comes in, you know. I did read that's about it. the uh, rent a room relief kind of scheme. Have you heard about that? So it's like up to like no. Four, so don't exactly take this as a word, but basically it's yeah, like rent yeah. a room. So you can have um, up to 14K of a year of the year, a tenant can pay for this payment. So that's okay. like, let's say between the two people, it's like 500 and I think it's like 600 quid a month. Yeah. Which will equate roughly to about 14K. And then this will be, you can use this as one of the kind of tax relief schemes. And it's called rent okay. a room. So it's like essentially like okay. it's a it's a step into this, but that's why my question kind of was more so around was that going to be focused on the investment property or actually a, a personal home? Because I know with a personal home you can't rent it for the first two years. Is that correct? No, no, no. Um, I, I suppose the, the way we'd look at it, if it's deriving any type of an income, then it's an investment property. And the reason why, I, because the rates differ massively, right? Um, the rates for a personal home they're much lower rates, and the reason being is because the risk to the bank is much lower because if somebody is living in it, they have a family living in it, the chances are they're going to really try and keep that home and really not renege on their debts. Whereas if it's an investment property, let's just say, and like what happened in 2008, 2009 and so on onwards where everybody had investment properties, next thing all of a sudden, uh, incomes change drastically. Um, the first thing to go is, well, I'm not paying the bank back the investment property. You know, so the risk for us is much, much higher. So obviously we have to, the rate is reflected and, and the rates are, are much more expensive on a, on, a, on a residential investment letting as opposed to a, a, a private dwelling, like, you know. 
Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, the risk then just, I suppose, it increases, you know, but I think, you know, we said this previously, you know, if someone does have like a property, it's a personal property, for instance, and they've gone through their two years or three or four years, and now they want to essentially leverage this property against another property. Is that, yeah. is that possible? Because you're using it as equity. Yeah, we, um, we don't use it as equity. Um, if it's, a, if it's a, a private home, you still have to have your, let's say your 25% deposit if you're buying an investment property, right? We won't release equity from, from the personal home to buy a, an investment property. You have to have those funds specifically yourself like it's just something where banks aren't interested in. All that sort of stuff would have been done previously, mm-hmm. but it's much more regulated. It's much more prudent. Now, and it's, you know, that type of business model, it just doesn't work long. It's, it's much too risky for us. Like, you know, so it's yeah. something like that. We, we don't leverage family homes, like, because the last thing we want to be, <laughs> but you know, the last thing we want to be doing is going down and evicting a family because they reneged on their family home to buy it. Like, you know, that's just not, that's not a good business model. It's just, it, it doesn't work. Um, and we've learned that through the years so yeah it's we, we stick to it if it sticks up stands up as an investment um, and the rents match the 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 repayments and the, the customer has a proven track record the customer has their deposit then certainly we look at it and um, but we wouldn't be leveraging family homes to to, to gear up in, to gear up <laughs> to gear up investment properties you know just uh, it, <laughs> It doesn't, it doesn't make, make sense, sense for us. Yeah, 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 no, yeah, the, yeah the risk, exactly. the risk is just too high. You know, when you spoke about the the repayments, like the repayments are quite interesting because, like, you know, it's all relative. And you actually, one thing I never actually kind of considered is like, okay, you know, after you repay it, and then what are you liquid left, and what can you save potentially afterwards? What I I, I have heard of people trying to do is like, you know, people saying like, oh, I'm going to use my bonus at the end of the year get a 10k bonus and keep plowing in my bonus, let's say for five years, and now you've taken off 50k. And then restructuring yeah. and remodeling, like would you encourage something like that? Like if you're going to be paying, like obviously the, the interest you pay on a mortgage, right? The rate might be low, but it, it's it's a thirty year product, let's say, right? So the interest is is staggering over those thirty years, right? And mm-hmm. um, so obviously the more you can pay off that, the quicker you can pay it. It will save you thousands in interest. So that's very prudent, right? Um, but to, to for remodeling, what, like what do you mean by that, or what, what did? Sorry, the idea would be like, let's say your repayments are a thousand euro a month um, yeah. over the course of 30 years. But if you paid all, paid in your bonus of, let's say, 50K, like whatever, like yeah. you, you sell you sell shares, you sell whatever, and you pay yeah. that off. Therefore, you only have, let's say, 250K to pay back and you've restructured that. So now you're only paying back like, I don't know, like 700 a month. Is, yeah. that, is that like a viable option? Do you think that's, a, well, that's encouraged by the banks or... Yeah, it, it, it's a it, it's a total viable option because basically you have two options, right? You can you can keep the repayments the same, put the lump sums in, and you're going to clear the, the loan earlier, so it's going to save you thousands in interest. The other option is pay off your bonuses, reduces your repayment. Yes, your cash flow is better now because your your mortgage repayment is less, but over the longer term, doesn't save you as much interest because the term is still the same. Like you know, oh, you can change the you, term. No, you can of course, yeah, you can reduce okay. the term, but if if you don't request that the term is reduced. Mm-hmm. it'll just reduce your repayments. Yeah, your cash flow will be great, but the mortgage is still going to be over 30 years. So the interest is still going to be, or it'll be less because you've paid the 50 grand off, but not, um, it'll, it'll be far far greater than if you had paid the 50 grand off and continued with your standard repayments. It would clear the loan much, much quicker. And that would be, that, that, that's much more beneficial for you. Like, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I know what you mean. Yeah, it's interesting because it's kind of like, it's just a personal preference, really. Because I kind of see people trying to like, 
get through it and then people yeah. trend you know i know it's kind of it's kind of like an interesting like approach yeah ju- just one thing i was going to say as well the only thing the other thing as well with yes it's it's good to, to clear down debt as early as possible right but with the mortgage um the one bit of protection you have there that if for example something happened to you or the worst happened let's say two people were buying a property and one of them passed away the debt dies with them you know so it's the other thing if you can afford the cash flow that the rent is relatively low it is insured on the other side so if anything were to happen you know it, it is gone with you so i would say like you'd see kind of maybe people just about to retire and they're playing the, the or I would say 10 years from retirement they're paying massive lump sums off the mortgage to get rid of it and then all of a sudden they get sick or something happens and the mortgage is gone. The life policy isn't worth anything anymore. I've seen that once or twice. So it's just, again, it's about sitting down, having a full financial review with that customer and, and you know, looking at all the options and explaining to them in detail so that they're informed of everything. And, and then they make the decision on the back of it. But, you know, it, it, it's our job just to inform everybody, I suppose, you know. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but in terms of life insurance, is there different varying policies like, you know, like that's for instance like you pay more and you could get a reimbursement of a certain amount of money then you pay even more and you get more cash yeah so there's there's different like like what we require right um what we require is the minimum let's for example darren lee has a mortgage of two hundred thousand over 20 years mm-hmm. we need you at, at a minimum to have a life policy a decreasing policy of two hundred thousand over 20 years so it decreases in line with the mortgage so there's no overflow it just clears the mortgage that's it Whereas if Darren was married with kids, I would be advising you have your basic mortgage protection policy, which, you know, very affordable, just covering your mortgage, but you would have a different life policy covering yourself and your family, even maybe some critical illness on you if you were to come down with any cancers or heart attacks, then there's a lump sum paid to you to, you know, obviously you'll probably be able to work for a period of time. So there's a lump sum paid to you. But the other side is if, for example, you did pass away, now your mortgage is cleared, but there's also a lump sum to your, to your family which again provides them with financial security now that you're you're unfortunately out of the picture. So it depends on what you want. And again, we'd be sitting down and say, look, this you can have this with, with bells and it. it's more expensive, but it protects the full family. If you don't need this at this moment in time, this is all you require. The mortgage is, is gone if anything were to happen to you. And it's up to you then then to choose. But we we do need the minimum in place at least, like, you know. But it's prudent again to have a full review and and, and oh, look everything. at uh, uh, exactly, yeah, exactly. It's funny because a mortgage seems to have a lot of health implications <laughs> along the way. Yeah. Like being like generally healthy has a big effect in it. You know, it's almost as if like your life insurance assessment is factored into your mortgage. Yeah, absolutely. And again, it's, look, I suppose it depends on, on how healthy you are and, mm. and, you know, what are the, again, that's done by, by actuaries. How, what are the chances of something happening to you? That will reflect the premium you pay on your insurance. But if you if it's standard and, and you know you're in relatively good health, it's yeah. it's probably only twenty euros a month to cover a two hundred and fifty thousand mortgage. So it is it is nothing. We we pay ten euro to cover the iPhone, you know. So it 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 is really it, it's 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 very affordable, but it's definitely recommended. I was just gonna just touch on rates. There actually um, a lot of people would say, should I go fixed or should I go variable? Right. Again, it's a personal choice, but. If it's, we'll say, first-time buyers, it's it's obviously their first property. They're taking on a, a, a massive undertaking because at the moment we're in a really, really um, favourable uh, uh, interest rate environment, right? There's some really, really good options out there, particularly on the fixed side of it. And um, I would always recommend, obviously you'd recommend both, but if, 
if I was sitting in their shoes, um, I would fix for the first three to five years um, if the rate is, 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 you know, is attractive. The reason being is because you get into your property, you're finding your feet, you know, you're, you're, you're furnishing it, you're, you're building it up over the first year or two. So it's important that you know exactly what your repayment is versus variable. It can go up or down at any stage. So it's important. I, I would be always kind of recommending that at least have a look at the fixed to kind of stabilize your repayments for the, for the first few years, because that's when, you know, you're getting a handle on the new house, the bills coming in that mightn't have been there before. And um, it's just important that if the rate is attractive and um, that you fix it for the first few years, because I think it, it's helpful just to, to stabilize that repayment. It's just something to be mindful of always also. Mm-hmm. What about, um? Like that's so interesting because like when you, the first couple of years are obviously going to be the most hemorrhaging in terms of cash. Does a mortgage factor in the, the, the cost of like, actual kitchen fittings you know all your actual interior stuff so or do you give an approximate figure of like say 20 percent if it was like i don't know 500 000 mortgage it would cost you actually 100k possibly yeah exactly um so the, the mortgage when we give out the mortgage it has to include a kitchen right and um, the, the property purchase there has to be a kitchen in there or else we can lend also for for the kitchen like we can lend for anything in the property that's going to add value outside of the furniture so, for example, if it's if someone was putting in a brand new kitchen, new bathrooms that, you know, mm-hmm. that's going to increase its market value, then we can lend for that also, again, up to the, the 90% of it, right? But generally, the, the property would have to be in a condition where you, you go and you plug in your TV, and you turn on the kettle. It has to be, it, you know, it has to be in, in that situation. And um, with the fit out, then, we you know, you have to have a certain amount left for fit out. It depends if someone had a thousand euros left after the mortgage, you know, then that really isn't enough to fit it out unless they were renting for the last number of years. You know, they were renting for the last number of years. They have the furniture, but generally we wouldn't want to see it that tight. If somebody had four grand left over and they had, they had the furniture that they were, you know, from, from the property that they're renting in, then that's okay. With 4,000, you, you know, you can get a lot done. And then, then with our mortgage, we, we have a period or an offer at the moment where you get cash back. So you get 2% cash back up front. So that could be another four or five grand, you know, so, so that goes well to it. And if they were saving and a thousand a month prior to it, then we allow for that. There isn't a certain amount that we look at like 500 K to hundred K for, for fit out. There isn't too many people have, have a hundred grand left after they're, they're purchasing a property for 500 for K because they would have had to put a hundred up in the first place, yeah. you know, to, to, to get it down. So look, we look for something reasonable and to be fair, I think we're very fair around that once there's, you know, there's a, there's a reasonable amount left there to, to, to fit it out to, to some sort of standard then, then we're happy generally happy to proceed like you know yeah yeah it makes a lot of sense like it's just it's pretty logical do you know what i mean it's just you know working on both sides of the banks like you're helping them vice versa it's coming back around to you know well, exactly I mean, like the last thing we want to do is give somebody a debt that they can't afford because it's going to put this them under fierce pressure also like you know mm-hmm. so the, the key is too, is lending yeah lending that's sustainable for everybody and that, that's the key in our business like you know yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. The last area that I want to talk about, which is which is definitely untalked about if the if, if although the mortgage stuff isn't, is so you get a mortgage, people are barely trying to get into this idea to begin with. And the next idea then will be if they're trying to sell their property. So may not be like me trying to flip houses, but it could be like yeah, yeah. <laughs> five, ten years down the time or whatever, like yeah, 10 yeah. years down down the road. And like you have a mortgage, but you want to um either buy something new but you still have a mortgage 
or you just yep. want to sell that property for actual profit and I don't know, retire or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Trade <laughs> you know off I mean? or something, yeah. Yeah. So what's the what's the kind of bank's appetite towards people selling their property within yeah. you know, I don't know, within a certain time horizon? Yeah, so so that's that's perfect, right? So what we'd look at there, like we'd say, for example, if you own a property um, and you want to you want to trade up, let's say and you've got some equity in your existing property. So that when you sell your mortgage, you'll have 100,000. Or when you, you sell your property, you'll have 100,000 left after the mortgage is cleared. We can use that towards the purchase and towards the deposit of the of the next property, right? And so that's that's completely, and that's kind of what most people do, right? Um, so that's absolutely fine with us. And that's something something we'd encourage. Um, the other thing is the option is of your existing property. And what we do there is we get a, a kind of a, a ballpark figure on what rents attainable We'll say we get an auctioneer to have a look at what rent is available in that area. So that goes in then versus what your mortgage is. We do a little calculation. And if there's any type of a shortfall versus what your mortgage repayment is versus rents attainable, that goes in as an outgoing. Then, for example, it could be 400 a month shortfall that we assess. That goes in as an outgoing. So it does have an effect on your net disposable income, but it's not to say that it is that it isn't a runner. Like, you know, it's something we definitely look at retaining your property as well. And then that that becomes a, an investment property and, and, and generates rental income. What I would say to people that are thinking about moving, you know, they're looking to say we have the equity, but we, you know, we haven't got our deposit. Like just put the put the wheels in motion, set, put the house up for sale firstly. And that's the first thing to do. Approach your bank and get approval, um, a house hunter approval. It will be a condition then that the property has to be sold prior to drawdown and the equity is used then towards the next purchase. But like until you take that step and you put the and I've been in this situ- situation myself over the last few years, you just put the house up for sale. That's the first step. Then the next step is you have to get a certain amount um, of a person to, to, to buy it, to, to get the, the deposit and the equity out of it. And then you need to get mortgage appro- approval. But unless you put the first step, the, you know, the dominoes won't fall. And, and the key, the great thing about um, uh, selling a house, you only need one buyer. That's all you need out of all the people looking for properties. Only one of them needs to like your house and only one of them needs to think that it's worth the value. So it's really, really, you're, the odds are stacked with you in that. Um, so, yeah, I would say if you're thinking about moving, have a chat to the bank, put the wheels in motion, see what's possible borrowing-wise, add in your equity from, from the, the property and see where you are then. And, and it, you know, Can you now afford a house that you're looking at that's, that's over the road, that's the upgrade, that's bigger, that's more of a family home? But definitely have a chat first and then just put the wheels in motion, put the property up for sale. And again, momentum, you will just do everything you can to get that deal done. Whereas if you keep thinking about it and talking about it, nothing will happen you'll be another year down the line and then you might just park it and forget about it and say hey, we're grand here actually you don't even know what you're missing like you know yeah so that, that would be my huge. thoughts on that no you're, you're dead already that's huge in terms of like planning in general like, exactly as you just said there in terms of like people thinking that it's more difficult to do it than actually just getting on and, and doing it you know and i've even seen that even my close kind of family that they wanted to move and they wanted to put the wheels in motion but they never even put up the sign if you don't put up the sign like you're not going to kind of get what you want in a longer term and i think yeah it's the same with any tor- any sort of planning financial planning there's a common team here which is like kind of like pull the finger out do a bit of actual planning a bit of future thinking and it will just yeah. pay dividends over the short That's horizon it. as well as the longer horizon like i've had lots of customers in um and, and one just came to me just about last year the year before kind of half embarrassed going oh my god look, we'd never be able to move but i just want to run the past you it turned out we restructured the high debts and stuff from credit cards. We restructured stuff. They were on good incomes, put a plan in place, said, you need to do this over the next six to 12 months. 
they did their part, they came back to us. We got the mortgage approved. They're now in a beautiful home that they didn't, you know, they didn't think they could ever dream of having because, oh no, mm-hmm. we could never have that. You don't know until you try, like, why, why mm-hmm. couldn't you have it? But it's about, as you said, taking action and, and just, you know, putting a plan in motion and, and, and sticking to it. Like, and look, 12 months down the line, it might take 12 months, but at least in 12 months you will be there and you'll have your, your new home and, you know, so on. But, you know, the, that's the attitude you need to have. And that's kind of what I would be telling people. Like, don't be afraid of it. Plan for it. And if it's one year, even if it's two or three years, it can still happen. The time is going to pass anyway. Why not be where you want to be then if you can't be there now, you know? Yeah, it's that compound interest. Just letting, just having a pattern just actually just following on it. Which, again, absolutely. Funny, back to the personal finance uh, kind of approach is like, you know, it, it's the obvious questions a lot of time. <laughs> you know, it's the obvious answers, it's the obvious task. It's like, it's not really that difficult. It's just that no one's kind of thinking about it. I think if people are too busy though and during lockdown, I've had time to think about this shit and stuff like that as well. But, yeah traditionally it's not that difficult <laughs> you know sometimes no people overcomplicate I'm finding things, that things things aren't but it takes consistency and a bit of discipline yeah. um, and just patience like patience is key in everything you know mm, yeah and um, i really appreciate it as always thank no you better, my pleasure my pleasure thank you so much and there we have it for yet another episode. If you made it to the end, I would like to say a massive thank you. I want to say a massive thank you to Alan as well for taking time out for the second time to be talking to us all about finance, mortgages, pretty much all adult stuff in general. I'd like to say a huge thank you again for anyone that's been listening to the last couple of episodes. You know, it's been really helpful towards myself. We've really pushed on now over the last 20 episodes and uh, building a, a pretty decent platform. So if you could share this episode on Instagram, LinkedIn, Follow me on Spotify, that would be awesome. Keep the channel going, keep it growing. And uh, yeah, just keep smashing it, pretty much. So thank you again, and take care.